Welcome to the Professional Plumber Podcast. We hope that these podcasts will bring some insights into who we are and what we do. So while in conversation with the PIRB, sit back, enjoy, and make sure to connect with the PIRB on Facebook or at PIRB.co.za for more. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast. My name is Willem Klopper. I'm your host. And in this episode, we're going to do a little bit of a, a business-orientated discussion. We're going to have a little bit more of a business-orientated discussion. We're specifically going to be talking about uh, 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 contracts. And, and that is to give you, the listener, a better understanding about contracts, uh, how South African law affects it, um, how contracts are formed, and what can go wrong if proper contracts are not put in place? Now, for this conversation and for this discussion, I have two guests with me dialing in. And uh, those are Mr. Brad Burkia and Mr. Steve Brown. Gentlemen, a warm welcome to the two of you. And thanks, Estek, for joining me. And morning, listeners. Morning, Willem. Thank you. Just before I give the two of you uh, an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners and the viewers, uh, I want us to just hop into some ad breaks um, to our listeners and our viewers. Don't go away. We'll be right back right after these. DMP Magazine brings you industry-related, informative and interesting articles and podcasts. Listen to, learn from, and enjoy our conversations. TMP Magazine Podcasts. Staying informed and being empowered has never been this convenient. Find us on App Plumber. Welcome back. You are still tuned into a lacquer business themed or business orientated episode of the Professional Plumbing Podcast. Uh, just before we went into an ad break, I did tell you that today we're going to discuss specifically contracts and the importance of having contracts in place for your business, how contracts work and what aspects to, to consider when it, when it comes to setting up contracts. And I did also mention that I have two guests for this episode, uh, Brad Burkia and uh, Steve Brown. And I want to ask the two of them just to quickly introduce themselves to you, the listener and the viewer out there. Brad, if we can start with you, please. Okay, thank you, Willem. Uh, so um, I own and run a consultancy called Borcon, and we are a firm of adjudicators and arbitrators and dispute resolution specialists, and we service the needs of subcontractors and contractors in the built environment, okay? Um, so I am qualified as a commercial adjudicator and arbitrator. And those of you that use uh, the more common contracts like the JVCC, etc., will know that all disputes that arise out of those contracts, they again need to get referred in the first instance to adjudication or arbitration. Okay. So that's what we do. Um, a lot of the business is, um, uh, is allocated to keeping contractors out of dispute. Okay. So Notwithstanding that I'm here to resolve disputes, my advice to everyone is you need to keep yourself out of disputes if at all possible. So those are the other services we offer to our clients. Thank you, Willem. Mr. Brown, we are quite familiar with you. We, we, uh, we are, we're also familiar with, with, uh, with Brad. We've, we've heard him on podcasts and we've heard him on the, on the morning webinars. 
And, and so we're familiar with you from, from your perspective of uh, IOPSA, but just a quick introducing, uh, introduction by yourself, of yourself, please. All right, so again, I'm Steve Brown. I'm the current operations manager of the Institute of Plumbing South Africa. I'm a plumber. Um, I'm involved in terms of uh, PIOB with regards to the board and uh, just my whole life is all about plumbing and, and assisting and guiding the plumbing fraternity. So, Steve, I'd like to kick this conversation off with two questions. And the first is, from your perspective, I mean, you've, you've, you are a plumber, you're a qualified plumber, um, you've been in the plumbing industry, you've had your own plumbing company. Why is it important for plumbing companies to have proper contracts in place? I think, uh, you know, if we go and have a look at uh, the history and a lot of our complaints that we come through in assistance and guidance uh, from the plumbers is because of the fact that there is no contractual agreements in place. So the importance of that is uh, making sure that all the dots and the T's are crossed and, and dotted and to make sure that there's no disputes, you know, that you, you can basically cover yourself. It's protection for yourself. And uh, having an appropriate contract in place allows you to contract out of the common law. So you, if you've got the correct contract in place, it ties it up. It, it brings a host of benefits, not at least all that you don't need to go to court. I mean, it's just exactly what Brad is, is saying here now, is if that contract's in place, there is a, a, a dispute resolution, an alternative dispute resolution in terms of the contract. So if we look at our legal system now to try and get somebody into court could take years. But if you've covered a new contract and, and the specifics are there and it's detailed and done professionally, then the protection for you uh, in terms of all aspects of, of, of plumbing, from how you're going to get paid, uh, what that duration is, the penalties that, if they're involved, all of those things are covered in, a, in an appropriate uh, contract. Variation orders are covered, and I'm sure Brad will go into to, to many of these. But I think for me, many of the, the, the complaints that I've been involved in or trying to assist is that there's actually no contract in place. And uh, that for me is a big concern, is that plumbers are getting involved in work that um, they've got no idea how they're going to get paid. Who's actually paying for them? Uh, are they working for the owner? Or is it directly to developer? Are they a domestic contractor? Are they a nominated contractor? They have got no idea. So the, the risk in terms of that is huge. And a lot of plumbers uh, will go to the wall because they haven't got a decent contract in place. And that's for big works. And, you know, for small works, I mean, how many things can we purchase today on, on an HP without signing something about how you're going to pay for it, what the terms are, et cetera, et cetera. So um, going back to even your terms and conditions, uh, um, having not having those in place puts you at risk. Sort of, it sounds like it brings everybody on the same page, both the consumer, the, the I mean, any, anybody else who's involved on a project, on a construction site for that matter, or wh whatever, um, the customer, the consumer, the end user, as well as the service provider, which is the plumber, um, it sets out the, the, the uh, expectations um, for all parties that everybody knows what to expect, when to expect it, it sort of aligns uh, those expectations and the working rules by the sounds of it, Steve. Yeah, so again, you know, having that contract in place, 
will reduce disputes that may occur, you know, down the line. I mean, we all know how contracts start. You know, it's like the honeymoon period, and then you get into that uh, middle sort of period where everybody's getting a little bit agitated. Then before you know it, you're at final account stage. You're getting hammered by VOs. You're getting hammered by uh, uh, variation orders that haven't been signed. And there's disputes. And then what happens is uh, it's not covered from the onset. I think we're going to get to to those risks of the things that are that can possibly go wrong a little bit later in this conversation, and I'm actually looking forward to that because I think that's a very vital part of this discussion. But my second question that I want to ask Steve is, what type of plumber or plumbing service provider will require to put contracts into place? Because in my man, mind, as a as a layperson, I don't own a plumbing company, but certainly. If a plumber simply goes out to site to do a geyser replacement uh, or a little bit of maintenance work or uh, install a faucet or just simply unblocking a drain, do those kind of works, I mean, th th those kind of jobs, do they also require a contract being put in place or does the, does the, the quotation and, and the, agree the acceptance of the quotation by the customer simply, is that, does that suffice? So, you know, again, you know, within plumbing, we've got our general maintenance, then you've got your alteration works, you've got your small works, and then you've got your, obviously, your, your, uh, you know, your, your major contracts. And I think every single one of them, in one way or another, has to have a form of a contract in place. So if you were, for example, going out to do a, a repair, you know, a burst pipe in the garden or something. So, you know, in terms of even the discussion that you have in that telephone call, because it's a service call, but then, you know, you would communicate to that consumer, whether you cash, COD, 30 days, uh, and, and your terms and conditions would go with it. As I said earlier, terms and conditions are things that, that many of the plumbers don't have in place, or if they do have them in place, they're limited. Uh, take an example of going to put a geezer and, you know, you could be spending 12, 13,000 rand. Now, where in South Africa can you go and get 12 or 13,000 rands worth of credit without somebody checking and verifying how you're actually going to be paying for it? So it's that type of thing that comes up. And without having that in place, as a geezer, as an example, as you've used, um, the next thing you get from, from the homeowner is I'm waiting for the insurance to pay me. Now, that was not in your agreement that you're now going to wait for the uh, uh, the insurance to pay you. So it's about making sure, yes, we're great plumbers, but it's getting that business acumen together and making sure that you're covered. IOPSA do have small works contracts that, that cover both the consumer and, and the plumber. They are freely available to be able to download. And then we obviously have individuals like Brad that, that, that can come in and specialize in terms of the JVCs and the various other contracts that, that are in place. So anybody that's doing business without having uh, any form of either your terms and conditions signed and accepted and agreed on uh, before you start the work or having a contract in place is putting yourself at risk. And I think that's one of the key things uh, for me anyway, in terms of my part of my portfolio, is the first thing that we ask the contract is please send us your terms and conditions or please send us the contract. And, and it's scary uh, Willem and Brad, how many times the same individual, and uh, we've had one or two, that three times they've come to IOPSA saying, well, I'm not getting paid. And we say, well, where's your contract? And you would think the first time he would be in a business to say, okay, I've learned something, but not three times. And that just shows me that the laxadaisiness or not going out to explore different ways in which to protect himself. And again, it just keeps both parties on the same page 
and it makes sure that the working rules, everything is aligned, who's responsible for what. So it is something that is critical for each company to have terms and conditions or a small works contract in place, but have something, don't have nothing. Um, you know, I keep hearing two words that stand out for me in everything that you're saying. Um, one of them is risk and the other is protection. Um, and protection can certainly be viewed as one of the benefits of having proper uh, and, and applicable contracts into place. So I've got a couple of questions that I want to shoot toward Brad. But just before I do, Brad, um, I want us to just go into a little bit more of an ad break. Um, to our viewers and our listeners, don't go away. We'll be right after, right back after these. Good day. How can I help you? Hi. I'm here to log in my COCs, but I seem to be having an issue with my computer. No problem. But did you know that you can log your COCs using an app on your cell phone? Oh, what app is that? It's called The App Plumber. Do you have a smartphone with you? Yes, I do. Oh, well, let me show you how it works. Not only can you access your PRB profile on The App Plumber, but you can also earn CPD points while exploring the plumbing industry in the palm of your hand. Download the app from Google Play Store and join thousands of other happy users. Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at articulated.co.za. You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. Welcome back. You are still tuned into the Professional Plumber Podcast. And we're today in this episode, this business-themed episode, we're discussing contracts, the importance of an everything evolving con uh, or involving contracts. Um, and just before we went into the ad break, we listened to a couple of benefits that, uh, that, that con having contracts in place offers. And we also listened and, and heard Steve mentioning why, what type of jobs should have um, uh, contracts in place. Uh, two words that stood out for me was risk, and we are going to look at the risks that are involved in not having contracts in place. Um, the other word was protection, and that it offers legal protection by what I could derive from what Steve was saying, and also by Brad's introduction when Brad introduced himself. Brad, I've got a question for you now. One of the benefits of having appropriate contracts in place is that it offers legal protection. So how does South African law apply to specifically the construction and, and even the plumbing industry? Okay, um, uh, good question, Willem, thank you. Um, let me just go a step back. So you heard Steve say that people are, are contracting without a contract, okay? And, and I just want to um, clarify that any two people, whether they're natural people or juristic people, that enter into an arrangement for one person to supply something and for the other one to pay for it, okay, have entered into a contract. Whether it's verbal, written, signed, or not is, is irrelevant. So when Steve says you're contracting without a contract, what he really means is you're contracting in the common law, okay? And you are subject to the provisions of the common law, which are not made 
for the small uh, man in the street and the small business, okay, even for the medium-sized business. I mean, the courts are not there to, to service those people, okay? So the problem with not having a contract is that it exposes you to interpretation, okay? So let's say you have a verbal agreement. You're out there. I use the example, Steve, you know, you're going to replace a, a burst geezer and um, you have a discussion about it. You agree a price and the guy says, I'll be there tomorrow. If something goes wrong with that contract, then it's his word against your word. You still have a binding contract, but the difficulty is the interpretation of what was actually agreed. That is why we have to have a proper contract. It doesn't have to be signed, believe it or not, but it has to be written, okay? It has to be exchanged, and um, there has to be offer and acceptance, which um, we'll possibly get to a little bit later. Okay, so why do you have to contract out of the common law? And what legal protection do you get if you if you elect to do that? Well, construction projects um, are peculiar for various reasons. So, for example, and you get paid, um, you get what's called an interim payment, which may be every week, every fortnight, or every month. The common law says you only get paid when you deliver everything. Okay, so I use the example of a motor vehicle. You buy a car, a new car. They, they deliver the car, you, you pay for it. You don't pay them in installments while they're making your car in the factory. But construction contracts do work like that. The common law's got no provisions for interim payments like that. Okay? So that, that's the, the, the big one. Of course, you have to agree a program. You have to have a procedure for variation orders, etc. You've got to have a procedure if there's delays and you need to get an extension of time. Escalation, the prices are going up. The common law doesn't cater for any of that. So you have to have a, a written contract. And like Steve was saying, there are lots of them that are available to you. Um, and there's no reason why you should not be entering into them. Of course, they also all bring what we call alternative dispute resolution, mediation, adjudication, arbitration into the fray. Okay? So you can't take a matter to court Okay, you can go to the small claims court. The new the new ceiling, I think, from 2019 is 20,000 rand. So for a claim, so the small claims court certainly available for the very small uh, matters. You have to go represent yourself, of course. Um, there's no uh, attorneys or representation allowed, but that is certainly um, an avenue for the very small contract. I don't know if there are delays, and I don't know what the procedure is with the court, but I know. You know, normally it's, it's a nightmare trying to get a date, etc. All right. So, and of course, they also detail things like penalties, um, which you know, if you're not, a, if you're in the common law, you're exposed to damages, which is, which is like a minefield. You don't know what you're in for. In a contract, you can record. If I'm late, I'm going to pay you a thousand rand a day. Can't claim anything else from me. So all of that legal protection comes in when you have a, um, a proper contract. Huh? So it's quite interesting to hear that, um, you know, because again, as a lay person, I don't own my own company and I, I don't, I deliver services, but I'm an employer. So, you know, my employer handles the contracts and those kind of things. So for me, it's very valuable to learn this from, from the two of you, Brad and Steve. Brad, let's talk about how contracts are formed and what obligations do they place the, the, or on the contractor itself? Okay, um, Willem. So, 
all contracts, okay, are formed when somebody makes an offer and somebody else accepts that offer. The other party accepts that offer. So if you put it into a construction environment, uh, let's say you're working, um, you asked to tender on a project, okay? That when someone asks you to submit a price or a tender, that is nothing more than an invitation to make an offer. When you submit your tender or your quote, you have now made an offer to the other party. They need to look at your offer. If they accept everything in your offer, they can accept your offer as it is, either orally or in writing, by email, even by their conduct, okay? So if they tell you start working tomorrow and they've made and they haven't reverted on your contract, it actually comes into place as it stands. You don't want things like that. You want them formally done, okay? No interpretation issues. If they're not happy with your quote, they can say, oh no, your price is too high. Um, we're changing the spec. The time you need is too long. We can't handle it. So can you please rather can you do this? Okay, that's called a counter offer. So they have now made a counter offer and it's open to you to decide whether you want to accept what they've offered you. You can also make another counter offer. Okay? And that process often happens while people are going back and forth, negotiating terms and trying to get to a fit. Okay. And when that process is finished and the one party says to the other one, I, okay, I accept. That's how, that's how um, a contract is born. Okay. Um, in terms of obligations, um, I think I've covered it. Generally, your employer or your client only has one obligation, and that is to pay. Okay? He may have a design obligation if he's using an agent to do design. On the smaller stuff, he hasn't. You're going to do the design as well. But as the contractor, you've got hundreds of obligations. Okay? Safety, quality, uh, um, program, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so. Most of the obligations in a contract sit on the one that is providing um, the service. Um, of course, when you have um, a written contract, you can define all of those obligations. You say, I am going to do this and I'm not going to do that. So later on, if there's um, a difference of opinion or a disagreement, you can say, well, that's in the contract. So now, for example, I didn't have to provide security, okay? because it was your obligation. And that, that's actually quite a common one now, from is that I said, well, I didn't price for guarding or security, and those are big numbers, and I'll end up having a fight about who's paying for it. Or, Yo, you have been using my generator, and I've had to put all the petrol in it, now you need to pay me. So all those obligations, they, they need to be defined in the contract, so there's no argument um, later. Okay. We keep, we keep referring to the word dispute. Um, Brad and Steve, um, there are quite a, a, a little bit more information that I would like to get from the two of you um, and, and, and more specifically focusing on some of the risks. We have mentioned it throughout the conversation so far and then Brad also from you uh, to talk about the basics of the, the common standard form contracts in South Africa. But I think before we go to those two questions that I have for the two of you, um, let's take another quick ad break to our listeners and our viewers. Please don't go away. Stay tuned because we will be right back after this. The PORB Master Plumber Recognition Program has officially arrived. 
As an essential service to society, there must be constant growth and development within this important and ever-changing industry. Developed by the PRRB, the Master Plumber Recognition Program has launched as a new PRRB designation, allowing industry champions to take the lead. Skilled and experienced plumbers equipped to take the lead, enroll today to start your journey in becoming a recognized PRRB Master Plumber. Welcome back. You are still tuned into another business-themed episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast. Uh, for this discussion, I have with me Brad Burkia and uh, Steve Brown. And uh, before we went into the ad break, we were discussing things like, um, you know, how does the the laws in South Africa apply to contracting, what obligations it has on the party signing the agreement or the contract. Um, we were looking at who who needs to have contracts in place for what type of jobs and for what reasons. And again, now I want to go back to for the reasons why it isn't so important to have contracts and proper contracts in place. Because uh, one of the words that stood out for me in the, in the uh, uh, previous things that we've been discussing in this conversation was risk. Um, because there, is, there are risks associated with uh, not having proper con uh, contracts in place. Um, Steve, if I can ask you, um, I do realize that we have mentioned quite a few things that can go wrong and quite a few risks that are associated, but just briefly touch on those again. And Brad, you're welcome to contribute to that if you would like to. Steve? Yeah, so I think we, we've covered it and Brad's gone. So again, just for me, is, is the payment disputes, you know, uh, not being paid at the end of the contract. Um, the, the Whereby, as Brad said earlier, penalties, you know, that are not covered. Uh, responsibilities, you know, who's responsible for what. And invariably, most of these come out, you know, even if the design is not correct. I mean, we get some, some contracts where the plumber uh, is like a supply and fit, you know, and he's now responsible for that installation. So, so the risks in terms of that, the credibility of the company that could be brought into disrepute because of, of not being able to pay your suppliers at the end of the month, uh, being able to pay your staff. Um, you know, what happens if there's a strike action? You know, as an example, today, we're talking about individuals coming in. Things like escalation, you know, how do you get paid for that? And if it's not tied down, if it's not written down and covered, then the risk is huge. And whether that's in a big project or a small project, if you're doing a bathroom, for example, you know, the costs that come with that in terms of the client now, uh, the dispute with the tilers, you know, who's doing the tiling, who's doing this, when is first it's being done. So all of these things uh, come into play. Uh, and again, it, it's just that that not being paid, putting yourself at risk. And there's no reason for it. You know, there's, as we said earlier, there, there's so much information and, and detail and individuals that can assist and put these things together. But, you know, as Brad says, yes, it's a, you know, willing buyer, willing seller type of thing. That is great. But then try and defend that. I've been to the small claims court to represent plumbers, you know, in terms of that. And it's, it's a mission. It really is uh, when they've got to bring somebody else in to interpret because they're not plumbers. And that is what Brad is saying, is, is make sure that we've covered all of those things. Um, 
you know, responsibilities, deadlines, penalties, you know, when they bring a project forward, where's that covered? When they decide that, you know, the, the main contract is now behind and they want to escalate the project to finish it beforehand. Uh, where's that covered? How do you do it? You know, do you get paid for that? You know, in terms of speeding it up, where are your rates and how are you covered? So I'm sure Brad will go into that. And I'm just going right down to, to grass tax here is that without it, you are putting yourself at a massive risk. I, I I do know before before I shoot my next question to Brad, uh, one of the things that keep popping into my mind is that if you don't make provision for certain things, I mean, let's say for instance you have an estimated cost or an estimated time that something that that you estimate when you sign your initial agreement, and in your mind it's, you thought to yourself, okay, that this specific task or job part of the contract should take me a day. But now something happens and it takes you two days. Um, certainly not, not putting a clause in your contract to make provision for unforeseen circumstances or for underestimation or something like that. That's also a, a risk, Steve. Would you agree? Most definitely. And I think those are the type of things that are covered in that contract. Because, you know, when you're putting that together, all of these things through experience will be brought and of those individuals that you're using to put that contract together. So they've that experience counts, you know, going in. I mean, we're not expecting the, the, the plumbers to be in a position where Brad is, but the, the opportunity to be able to engage with individuals like Brad uh, right at the get-go. And it's like we always say in the construction industry, you know, if the foundation is not there, then that building is at risk. And the same thing applies to us in terms of when we're pricing a job, as Brad was saying, you know, you, you, you're submitting an invitation, then you've got that negotiation. If you don't get that groundworks uh, right off the get-go, then that project is at risk. And I've been in many of those where, uh, yeah, sometimes we, we take it on the voice of yes and we don't go and check and verify the contract or who we're actually working for and we put ourselves at risk. And I think that every plumber's done it. I've done it in my years of contracting. But uh, sometimes it's in desperation, like Brad says, can you start tomorrow? And you go, yes, because, you know, you, you, wanna, you need the work. But you start, but you haven't tied up all the loose ends. And then it becomes a, a promise, yes, we'll get it to you next week, we'll get it. And by then, it's just sometimes too late. You know, it, it just starts off on the wrong way. So get the foundation right. Make sure that everything's covered and everything is protected in terms of you and your performance and what you're going to be doing. Get your house in order. Brad, we are drawing to a close of this specific episode, but I have one last question for you because I think this drills down right to uh, the bottom and the crux of this conversation. Let's talk about the basics of the common standard form contracts in South Africa. Okay, uh, thanks, Willem. Let me start by saying that I completely agree with everything that Steve has just said, okay? Um, and I suppose to go on from that, um, you know, life is such that you can't just hope for the best, okay? <laughs> and if you look at the amount of litigation and dispute that goes on, in this country and the world, you know, Australia is worse than us. You will know that you need to get, you need to cross your T's and dot your R's and get everything sorted. Okay. You can't hope for the, the best later. And the best time to do it is when you in the honeymoon period, as Steve says, that is a common phrase in the industry. Okay. So um, um there are many standard form contracts. They're published by the JBCC. And the master builders have them, as Steve alluded to, 
our OPSA have them, okay? Um, the JVCC has even introduced a new contract called the Small and Simple Works contract, perfectly suitable for people that are uh, contracting directly with uh, domestic clients. And you can adapt your terms and conditions as well. But I would recommend that. I would recommend use a standard form contract that a body of experts have put together over the last 20 years. That's what they are. And they will cover all of those risks we spoke about. Time, quality, safety, penalties, dispute resolution, acceleration, which is what Steve was um, talking about, uh, which, by the way, you won't find in any of those agreements because they're actually not allowed to give you an instruction to accelerate. You have to negotiate that and agree a price before you do it. Unless, of course, you're beyond, then you, you need to do it on, on your own. That They can't force you to accelerate. A lot of people don't understand that. And a lot of people get abused by that because they think they do have to accept um, an instruction to accelerate, you know? So I just want to conclude by saying you can use any of those agreements. You have to set them up properly, okay? They've got sections at the back where you fill in the program, the price, the penalty, the insurances, your guarantee, are you providing retention, your payment terms, is there an advance payment, how long, how long can they hold your retention, how do you get an adjudicator appointed, oh, you know, you just deal with it right at the beginning, get it all sorted, and then you can't just chuck it in the drawer and hope for the best, okay, you also have to manage your project depending how big it is, because there are obligations in those contracts that you have to do, okay, so if you delay you have to submit a notice. You can't just expect to be given an extension of time. So you also have to administer the contract. The, the smaller contracts are not hard to administer. My advice is, like every other aspect of your business, you need to manage the commercial side the same as the quality and the safety and making sure you make a profit and all of that is equally important or more important than all of those put together. Because if you don't get that right, you ain't going to make a profit and you might find yourself in dispute all the time. Again, we, we, we hear the word dispute and, and certainly one of the greatest uh, advantages or, or uh, yeah, let's call it advantages of having a proper contract in place um, is the fact that it sets out everything clearly to everyone, bringing everyone involved in the contract and the agreement onto the same page when it comes to expectations, uh, the work rules, obligations, all of those kind of things. And at the end of the day, when there is a dispute, everybody can just refer back to the contract because everything is clearly stipulated in there. And what, what stands out for me again in this, from this conversation is the fact that it, at the end of the day, it can save both parties or all involved parties hundreds of thousands of rands not having to go to litigation um, because having a proper contract in place, certainly, Brad, you can confirm, um, can can be solved these this kind of disputes can be resolved through an arbitrator or a mediator such as what Borkun uh, is part of your services am i correct yes no that is correct and it's not available to you in the common law so unless you agree to it you're exposed to the courts that's it now one final statement with them so there's another big difference so if you get an adjudicator to determine a dispute okay that adjudicator like me has been properly trained and accredited um, and he's also registered. Okay? And he is chosen or nominated because he has a specific experience and expertise in the field okay, of contract. 
If you go to court, you end up with a judge, he knows nothing about construction contracts, absolutely nothing. Now you've got to try convince, you've got to try educate him and then prove your case. I've been down that road. You don't want to go there. Okay. Brad, just very quickly, um, if if people would like to get hold of you, your company, um, to make me uh, find out more and learn more or make use of your services for that matter, um, have you got a website that they can visit? Yes, absolutely. So it's www.borcon.co.za. You can send an email via the link on the website. You can find our office numbers on there, etc., etc. Thank you. Stephen, I do know that uh, that IOPSA also offers some guidance and, and, and information and advice to uh, registered members. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, I think you know we've got a really good team, you know, in terms around the country that do assist the plumbers. Uh, and again, you know, it goes back to the facts that are on the table, and I think that's the key thing for us, as Brad says. Um, you know, the first thing that we have when there's a dispute, ask the documentation. Once we've got it, then we can, you know, plow our way through it. But yes, certainly from an IOPSA perspective and to those consumers out there that uh, have maybe used a contractor and they've got into a bit of a dispute, uh, then we can also assist in terms of that. Obviously, if it goes bigger, you know, we get involved with uh, individuals like Brad. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason for anybody out there to put themselves at risk when you have individuals uh, like Brad and others around that, that are there to protect you. Gentlemen, I would like to thank the two of you again for your time and your effort for having joined me in this conversation. And obviously for the the valuable information that you've shared with with myself and to our listeners and our viewers out there. So thanks again for that. Thank you. Thank you. And then to our listeners and our viewers, don't go away just yet. Please do stay tuned because we have some interesting industry-related news or not news, but announcements to give you right after this. You may already know that when you listen to the PIRB's podcasts and answer the quiz thereon, you can earn CPD points. The PIRB is excited to announce that the same principle now applies to the Plumbing 101 show. Watch an episode, successfully complete the quiz and earn some CPD points. Be on the lookout for the next episode and expand your knowledge. IOPSA has some upcoming training and events that may benefit you. In the Royal Zulu Kingdom, plumbers can look forward to KZN installers training and a plumbers evening that will both take place on the 8th of September 2022. In the Eastern Cape, plumbers can look forward to a plumbers evening that will also be hosted on the 8th of September 2022. Visit IOPSA's webpage at www.iopsa.org forward slash regional hyphen events for more upcoming events. And finally, it's time to announce the winner of the latest round of the PORB's article writing competition. The winner is Francois de Toy, PORB registration number 3385 forward slash 05. Francois' article named Company Branding will be published on the TMP magazine on App Plumber, earning Francois a good four CPD points while winning him an awesome prize. Be sure to enter the next round of this awesome competition, of which the topic to write about is franchising. Thanks for having tuned in. 
Make sure to read more about the PIRB on our website at pirb.co.za and on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.